welcome back everyone this is season two khaki malarkey and as we started season one we started with a prequel and this season we thought we'd do the same just to kind of set the scene reflect back on season one look into season two and just chat some crap about military history as well but i'm obviously joined by my lovely co-host phoebe style hello <laughs> and we have the new addition who's been making all of khaki malarkey happen behind the scenes our wonderful sign editor zach with us I today I as well i was the wonderful co-host yeah <laughs> you've been on one episode zach. um you featured this is your first signed one so say hello to everyone zach yeah so i, I started editing the podcast what halfway through last season yeah, yeah, I think that so. way. Uh, I think the first one I edited was the Roundtable Life in a Red Coat. Yes, that was. That was quite a big one for you to edit, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? How a long one, yeah. <laughs> uh, we wanted to give you a challenge, first of all, actually. See if you could do multiple audios. Just, just really ease <laughs> myself in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Start nice and easy. Yeah, four five different people speaking in it as well. It's not... <laughs> we'll just go straight in. But looking back then on... Um, the first series. I know Zach, obviously you've kind of come in halfway, but you've definitely listened to them quite in tune as well, I guess, to what we've how we've interviewed them. What would we've you had guys... every fuck up, basically. Oh, every everything. mess up, everything. <laughs> but what would every... you guys say was your most interesting like episode that we did or like a topic or something? Because we covered so much. So like I so like technically the Life in a Red Coat one was the most interesting to edit. Because it was a lot to do. There was so much I had to actually do. So, like, because there was like six people talking or something like that. Yeah. So put it all together so you can hear each one and make sure they don't, you know, talk over each other and make sure they're all clear. And that was a whole thing. And that was like, it was fun, but also really hard. But then, like, most interesting just to listen to for me is probably the Viking one, just because it's something I didn't know anything about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was really good. Yeah. I I didn't know anything about it at all um and I was like learning weird new history so I think that one for me yeah definitely that was really good Phoebs I did enjoy the Norse myth oh I don't know I did enjoy Norse mythology that was a good one I think I always think of um how much fun it was recording Helen Fry's episode on MI9 that was really good fun and that's obviously a topic that interests me massively World War II history um in itself and apparently intelligence history is a thing I enjoy as well so (laughs) so that was good for me um what else did I enjoy? Oh, Simon Elliott's one. That was one that... I was um, going to say Simon's. Yeah, I didn't know anything. I'm not really a, an ancient historian, I guess. I don't really know much about the Romans, but I yeah. And obviously Simon sent us a copy of the book, so that was a bit of a highlight as well. And it's a gorgeous book. So yeah, I think those two definitely stick out for me as being some memorable ones to record. But they've all had their, like, different... You know what I mean? Like, look, they've yeah. all had such different um, vibes to them. So it's, been, it's hard to pick yeah. just, like, one that you like most. Yeah, I agree, definitely. What about you? I th- I was going to say Simon. That was the first one that popped to my head because I think he brought it to life in such an enthusiastic way. Like, he really captivated me and I was hanging on the edge of every word of his. But yeah. I think Dan Spencer's uh, with the castles as well was really interesting for me. Yes, that it was, was good. like looking at castles in such a different way and like how they were used and their kind of importance within certain battles I thought was really cool so those were definitely I think some highlights you know gotta love it well I was thinking Phoebs when we last did the prequel the first one you were coming up to finishing your masters and stuff and I guess for those who either had listened or hadn't I wear obviously you finished it now 
how did you do? Oh yeah, God, I can think of you know that feels like a whole life. It was life so ago long ago, wasn't because it? it? Yeah, it was one of those obviously like finishing it in the midst of COVID. Um, I mean, I didn't do too bad. Yeah, I was pretty happy Gone. with my dissertation on the end. I got a distinction. <laughs> like I said, like yeah. we do, you get. Um, yeah. Oh God. Uh, yeah, that was that was a good day. That was a good day getting that result. Um, yeah, my final dissertation was on like war correspondence in the media in World War Two. So that was really interesting. I looked at uh, three different theatres of war and the coverage from all of it. And yeah, it was really nice to get feedback from a couple of different supervisors. Um, and I was, yeah, I was, I was so happy with what they said. So yeah, I was just, it went really well, thanks. Oh, I'm so chuffed. Can, can, say, can I say that I went and visited Phoebe while she's in the middle of writing it and I went into her living room and there was like, <laughs> 50 books oh my god around the room and all of them had post-it notes on different pages and I was like oh my like it overwhelmed me <laughs> but I'm mad impressed yeah. that that became like an actual thing like that's <laughs> normal to me god like, well oh. yeah Hartley Library really came through for me in Southampton in the end I think I got about 45 books out of the end in total oh like that was what was stacked up on the floor like, of my living room mountains of um, books everywhere yeah all yeah all with good titles on them war correspondents are kind of known for making their books really good titles there was this one um that I remember having and it was on the top of the pile for a while and people would walk in and it was just Joanna Bork's book just called Rape and it's just the title page it's just oh Rape God. in big letters and people would walk in and be like oh okay <laughs> what are, what's what's going <laughs> on here what are you looking at <laughs> and they just like oh do, do we ask do we ask about the stacks of book with the scary title well um, what's the context but... of that book so <laughs> obviously it's quite like it looks, yeah I mean something's bandaging from the title but I look at a lot of gendered um violence within wartime and it's something that war correspondents touch upon a lot in their um coverage especially the ones that go into like the villages that have been affected by various battles etc mm. um so I think it's a really important very horrible but a very important bit of war to study um but yeah there's so much good literature on it um Joanna Bork I remember Cynthia Enloe was the one that got me into looking at gendered history of course um who else oh Judith Butler I read so much Judith Butler for my <laughs> dissertation as well so yes yeah that was how that factored into the dissertation I don't know how to really wrap up this bit but no, I yeah think so. well I was gonna ask you I wanted to see like because I was thinking about this especially with my master's or my dissertation if you had the chance to do like another topic in military history like what would you do oh that's a really good one actually I, yeah oh, there's so many things that I've I would study if given the chance I don't know like I think I'd like to go for a more archaeological side yeah I think that's something that I wish I'd done more that I haven't done so like war graves I think it's because yeah you know lockdown do a lot of walking and commonwealth war graves it's a lot of ground so it's been kind of a thing recently where I've gone oh okay which nice cemeteries can I visit and you know have a little look around and it's nice to like they're so not nicer than nice but they're they're so beautifully kept Zach's just giving me the funny looks on camera like no it's true though yeah they are they they honestly the Commonwealth (laughs) Graves have like the nicest cemeteries just because of how well they are and you just just look at them they are like perfection there's never a blade of grass that's out of touch I always think yeah and I just find it's a really nice presence there as well and it's a nice way to spend time like looking at um the soldiers stories and the epitaphs as well like I'd love to Mm. know more um about that yeah it's a really interesting and just like recovering bones and stuff I just think it's fascinating yeah yeah well I always remember when um we were out in France and they would they told us that they recovered like 20 to 30 bodies a year out on the western front and I used to be really astounded by that fact because they tell us that like the number of the stat on tip bow was contested or because 
it depends they could find a body and they could wipe a name off because they would remove a name if they've obviously found a body um and i always used to be think that's so cool and especially in france i know there's so many like wind turbines going up around the battlefields so when they were doing that yeah. they ha- those areas have to then be archaeologically excavated and then there's a strong chance that they could find like 20 or 10 bodies or so and then the commission would have loads and i remember my friend will who's also an intern said he was very lucky to actually go into the morgue in arras and that's where they kind of keep them there so there's i think there's a really cool like history that could be looked into it we have got yeah. people from the commission actually lined up for season two. It's one of our episodes. So we can think of some questions. Yeah. yeah, we've got them coming up, which will be very good. I think that'll be kind of like towards the end of May. Um, so that will definitely be an interesting one for those questions. Yeah. Liv, what did you so, write your dissertation on for Essex? My undergraduate dissertation looked at Vera Britain. So I originally was going to do mine on oh, historical houses in Norfolk because I had no clue at all what to do it on and I really had a passion about historical kind of buildings I still do but then I picked up Testament of Youth in like I think after the film was out and I read it and I've got a personal connection with it at home because Roland where he lived I grew up in the house next to it and I've lived next to it my whole entire life and I didn't even know that this beautiful turreted house by the sea was Roland's home and I was so like oh my god it's amazing. amazing Yeah. And I reread the book and I was, well, it's actually, I was going through the Passchendaele Centenary with my dad. And I remember being in the car and I was reading it and being like, actually, I wonder if there's something you can do like on this, because it was a book, a film and a TV series. And I was like, there's got to be a dissertation or like something in there. And so I kind of posed it back to my department and I got bounced about. I remember my first day back at Essex, they were like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can do it. And then the <laughs> last one was Lucy Noakes. And she was like, it can be done. Yeah. And so I looked Let's at like the, it was really I was so glad because I thought God, I've actually had an idea I yeah. really hope I can do this and Lucy was then it kind of ended up being like a cultural dissertation so it's like looking at the book the tv series and the film and how they fit within the cultural memory of the war so the fact that the book was written in 33 and that's the war books boom kind of the first world war and you've got the ideas of like the lost generation all coming into play and Vera's mm. mindset had changed from when writing testament in youth in the 30s compared to when her war diary was actually written and then in the 70s like the um series was done as like a feminist kind of thing so it came about like the second wave of feminism and it kind of promoted Vera as this young woman going off to doing her bit in a way and then in the centenary when the film came out it was then used to be like oh my god hundreds of men died how awful is this the lost generation kind of thing when we know that's kind of not true yeah (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> and then that's what yeah. inspired my masters like yeah I loved and your masters so was much. In. I was like well I'm um, looking at the kind of cultural and popular memory of the first world war 17 so looking at this idea of like we believe so much about the war uh, like our popular memory of it is like basically mud blood whatever or I always say Dan Todman's great book the great war myth and memory what his chapters are and we kind of believe that as the it's like a generalized belief truth when it's not if you go back to 1918 that's not what people thought so that's kind of how that all developed which was quite nice it worked out quite well for me in the end yeah no definitely I think I'd I'd love to look more into first world war history as I've said I'm more of a second like latter half of the 20th century but it's definitely a conflict that has a lot of debate around it I guess it's been quite contested in the last especially like building up to the centenary everything gets re-evaluated in new lights isn't it so it's been a very interesting 
field of history there's been lots of different groups as well that have been doing a lot of great first world war history as well so yeah, I, find it, I find it so interesting listening to you two talk about your uni courses because i obviously did an arts course so mine's like a whole other thing like i just picked something and was like i'm gonna do this and then i did well, that i was like... gonna ask you if you could do a history like okay we'll have to keep it military history here or i guess it could be any type of history like a dissertation or something like is there an area in particular that you're interested in and you would if you had the option could explore so if it was a dissertation, like something that I could probably get my teeth into, it'd be really hyper-specific and it would be UK Navy in the Korean Ooh. War. Oh, Very, very, very specific because my granddad served then oh. and I just oh, want to nice. be really nosy. Like, yeah. that's literally it. <laughs> Don't know what Do you know anything else about his service in the Korean War? Because I think it's coming up to an anniversary of the Korean War. I think we're building up to it now. So I know he's 70, I think, or 60. I know I'm not good at my maths. Uh, and I know like the rough basics of the ship that he was on, but not like mm. not like a lot, which is why it'd be really interesting this because it'd be something to proper delve into and be like, oh, What was cool. the ship? Uh HMS Theseus. Okay, Do we talk so in Korean War in the 50s? 50s? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So okay, nice. Yeah. So you're right, so we'll be coming up to Yeah, so it'd be, I'd still, like, be really interesting. Years, yeah things I proper dig into and and because like I personally he like would casually mention it and I'd be like okay because I was a child I didn't really yeah and then by the time I actually like cared about history I was like actually that's really interesting because obviously everyone thinks Korean War you think US and you know mm. and the Soviet Union there's a huge British involvement yeah so I thought it'd be a really interesting like place to proper get into have mm. you ever sat him down is is he still alive uh no no he's, he's passed now but uh yeah, I think oh I no, I'm sorry. I was going to say oh, to sit him down and like put a camera in front of him and just be like, talk. No, like, I talked to him about it maybe like twice. And my granddad's Aww. like the most, he was the most unassuming person. So he'd just be like, yeah, just went to Korea, was on a ship. <laughs> and then and you're like, what does that mean? Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> yeah. So like, I think he literally gave us like details like literally once. And mm. I then oh. was like, yeah, that's it. That's a shame. But, uh, well, but, yeah. we'll have to try get a Korean historian on then, and we'll get you in on that episode, so then we can ask any questions because that would be kind of cool to kind of fill those blanks, perhaps. Yeah, I'll just sit there in awe, <laughs> just stare at him, be like, "Tell me more." Public service announcement to any historians of Korea. <laughs> yeah, please get in touch. Want to come on and talk to him? <laughs> uh, Zach, we, I remember when we did the first prequel, and like we were asked what got us into military history and stuff. Mm. I guess I was going to ask you if there was an interest. I guess it would have been your granddad, or has there been anything else that's kind of sparked an interest in this? Because obviously, I know this isn't your history, isn't your job and stuff, but yeah. you are interested in history. Like I'm, it was studying that... history at secondary school that did it, wasn't it, Zach? Obviously, it was. It was, it was A level history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I very much, very much reckon I'm like a history hobbyist. Where basically. When I was a kid, I was just really insanely, annoyingly curious about everything. So, like, I would read encyclopedias to go to bed, like, just because I wanted to learn shit, you know? Any particular Uh, ones? Just everything. Literally anything that had any kind of knowledge in it. And I was like, I want to learn that. Um, And then I went to school and obviously that all went... Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's out the window and you actually need it. It's a shame, isn't it? But I just, I don't know. I always kind of really liked history. Like, I read a lot of, like, horrible histories and all that kind of stuff. And then obviously my granddad had like medals and, and whatever in, in his house. So I was like, they're kind of cool. Uh, and then since then, it's basically just been like, I like learning about stuff that I don't already know. So like I just read um, The Anarchy, the book by William Dalrymple about the... Oh, 
yes. That was the book I just finished reading. I sent one to Thebes. That was about like a pilot who escaped from prisoner war camps. 21 escapes of Alistair Cram. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, I just like, like, I'm very all over the gaff when it comes to what history I like because I just like learning about stuff that I have no idea about. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's nice to keep in like quite a wide range because there's so much history. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the way to go. I guess that's what we're doing with this podcast. Though. It's a history. <laughs> Phoebe, so I was. I was reminiscent earlier. No, I was talking to my, so I was just chatting to my housemates out there about kind of, oh, I'm recording like a new episode. And obviously this season we got a new editor and it's like somebody I went to school with. So it's really good fun. We're like, we studied history together. And I was telling her about all like this shit that used to happen in our history class in school and how much fun it was. And like, that's, I mean, I've probably said it in the last prequel. It's definitely one of the reasons why I love history so much now. Cause I remember, I remember the debates. I, don't, I can't even remember this popped into my head the other day. I don't know why, but we were having a debate and it was two sides of the classroom and I got to be the queen for some reason. Yes. I think we might have been studying Elizabethan something. I remember I got this. to wear a little crown for a lesson and run the debate. That was a highlight of history for me. Um, low oh, light being when the teacher once made some savage comments in the margin of one of my essays and then read them out in front of the whole class when I wasn't there. Mate, he told me off for learning something outside of school. Like, I went away <laughs> and I'd read another book and I used some of that information in an essay and he asked me where I learned that because he was like, I didn't teach like, it. Stop using that. And I was like, wait, what? Like, surely that's good. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, some of the, some of the teaching was questionable, but it was yeah. a good laugh. <laughs> They always, I find history teachers always do some really interesting things to really get us engaged. Oh and it's, God, I yeah. think a lot of our guests say that, like, they remember their history teachers. They had a really good teacher. Like, my history teacher was an absolute legend. Like, Mr. Barber was the best. And I think I had one of the most standout moments with him. And I'm, I still think of it. We did medicine and surgery as part of our GCSE kind of module. And one of it, he showed us, like, a clip of um, Horrible Histories. And on that clip, I can, I think it's like season one, episode nine. And hands down, it's such a funny clip. If anyone wants to go watch it, I really recommend it. I love it. It's ingrained it, in your memory. Yeah. I've, I've gone like, back oh, and watched it. I don't it know since. what it is. This is a specific <laughs> yeah. episode. No, this is, I remember it because I've gone and looked and I've, I laugh every time. And it's about the Great Plague. And in this classroom of like 30, kind of what, like 14, 15 year olds, there was this bit and like he bawled his eyes out laughing. I was as well. We were the only people in the classroom doing it. And I think it's at that moment that I knew I was a true like like history geek. Like me and my teacher were the only ones like proper belly laughing at yeah. horrible histories. And he also made us once do I remember like when we this is still in the medicine and surgery module and we're doing like by births or something. And so he made us like all reenact a birth scene and I got oh a collage God. of photos. So I think I found them on my like the other day and it's like a sequence and I think it was to do like in a oh it could have been the American Indian module or something oh, right. but oh my like God. I had a balloon under my belly and then like <laughs> to do like this sequence and I thought what lesson was this the kind of lesson he was like do you know what it's a Friday afternoon <laughs> I can't be bothered so let's make them do something fun perhaps <laughs> I've, I've still got a video somewhere of sixth form we we're doing Calvinism and Lutherism and oh, I know filmed is. like a video about like trying to explain one of those aspects yeah. like people dressing up and it's all very melodramatic yes. and whatever oh and my I, god I think I have that somewhere I oh. have that video somewhere and it is so funny it is a, some proper hammy acting it oh is my god. Oh. <laughs> definitely on my part I vividly remember doing that project and I remember it being traumatic for every oh. single part um 
Oh, I remember as well. I think year, year seven, you reminded me, Liv, when you said medicine. We had to perform like a fake medieval surgery in year seven. Mm. And our teacher had like a spray bottle and was like spraying us with, I don't know if it was meant to be like water or guts or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but we did a whole like with like mock tools and everything. Like, yeah. I remember, That's I remember so like, cool. I was always like decent at history or whatever. And then GCSE, like, I was doing all right. And we had a teacher called Miss Murray who was like yes. an insanely good teacher at just basically being like, look, I'm a level with you. If you have <laughs> yeah. a history, then you're probably not going to enjoy this. Like, and somehow, like, she just pulled, like, so much entertainment out of her lessons. Yeah. Like, you could be learning about the deadest thing, but the end of it mm. would be like a quiz, and you'd be like, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking win this quiz. Yeah. Like, yeah. you'd be, like, For proper sure. competitive about teacher, it. Though, isn't it? Like, yes, definitely. If they could hook you in, even if the subject said, like, my, Mr. Barber was able to do that at last. There was topics that I used to think, God, this is going to be really boring. And at the end of it, I was like, this is incredible. Like, yeah. that's a really good lecture like nice, that at uni it? as yeah. well. Like I always, yeah. I was me and my friend always reflect on. We had one lecturer, um, Justin Colston, fantastic historian, and he come in and was like, "Today we're going to be doing a whole lecture on the history of chimneys." And no one would lie, you could hear everyone go, "Oh,", oh. like. <laughs> And hands down, it is the single most best lecture I've ever had in my life. And like my friend Georgia, I've seen her in smoking areas on nights out talking to people when she's had a couple of drinks, been like, I have this really great lecture about chimneys. And did you know chimneys were so revolutionary in the 1600s and they transformed houses? Like it's ingrained with us that much. Like every time I see a really funky chimney, I think of him. Like, yeah, well, things stick in your head. Like I think now, like, like, like for me in school it was, it was Mr Jassy like the teacher I remember his lessons I teach like like yeah honestly like Zach's nodding his head now he knows that like, I remember some of the things he used to teach about like politics and like war politics and stuff and yeah it is amazing how like the impact that ed- educators can have on you like throughout your whole all, from all the way in year seven all the way to yeah. um university you remember remember those like really sound little things they did we used to yeah, do definitely. we used to do girls we boys quizzes in our in our GCSE history class and it was the most intense competition you've ever seen in your life. Like everyone was like <laughs> fully like, I'm gonna destroy it. Free bit of gender competition oh, for young my age. God. <laughs> and like and you'd, you'd like properly be going for it. And then that's like, fantastic. I used to get That's banned why I hate from answering so questions. I used, yeah, I used to get banned <laughs> from answering because I'd answered too many questions. That's just like you can't do that anymore. So I was like sitting next to one of the other guys, Reese, and I'd just be like whispering in his ear. <laughs> put your this, just put your hand up. <laughs> oh. That's so God, nice. those were the days. It gets it's a bit really real now. Bad. We're all adults running podcasts and shit, well, aren't we? <laughs> well, talking about now, I was going to ask, like, I know Zach, you obviously, for those who don't know, Zach works. Oh, actually, Zach, what do you do? I can't explain it. I'm a sound assistant slash engineer for the Premier League. There we go. Any football fans out there? There you go. Um, Yeah, it's very cool for sure. Um, But I was going to say, well, I guess, Phoebes, or Zach, it depends what you've been reading as well. Like, is there anything like military history wise, I guess, Phoebes at school that you've touched upon? Like, have you or have you been reading or like learning anything yourself recently? Like any kind of projects, perhaps like, I don't know, just something different you could kind of share that's cool in military history i was waiting for zach to go first and i was like thinking like oh i don't i mean i I can go i can go so so i'm just just finished reading the anarchy which is all like Mm. east india training company and how they took over india um which is really really interesting and then like so what the east when the east india company like was part of colonization then uh so yeah literally how they 
started out in Bengal as like a literally just a, a really second tier trading company. Like the Dutch were way better, the French were way better. Uh, and then from that tiny little foothold, they managed to end up taking over the entire subcontinent, which is kind of insane. Oh my God. So how did that uh, come into fruition then? Like it's, it's, it's so much of it is like, it seems when you're reading it, it's just like blind luck at points, like battles that they should have lost, but a mm. commander makes a really weird decision to not attack or something. And then they somehow get away. Like, and basically it's just all of it's It's all money. Like as soon as they get like the bankers kind of on their side. Mm. They also just it's mad up. how many battles are just pure luck. Yeah. I remember that being so but that's mind-blowing to me whenever i learn about like a, like a change of wind direction or something just yeah, being the key definitely. to battle yeah like literally there was one point where the eastern australian company were like by this point they got very complacent um and like, i'm paraphrasing obviously uh, <laughs> but they, they got very complacent and they got whooped in a, in a battle against like a, an alliance of the different minority groups in in india because there's lots of different kind of tribes um and literally if they'd have pursued they could have routed them and they would have pretty much wiped the East India Trading Company out of, of that part of India. Mm. And really no reason at all, the Indian commander decided that he was concerned that they'd be uh, vulnerable to a counterattack because he didn't have any scouts to actually see how big their force actually was. And he let them go and they just walked away. And then they came back a couple of years later and wiped out that like entire subsection. It was insane. Oh my God. And I wow. like, hey, that's crazy, isn't it? You're like this close away from history being completely different, and some dude yeah. made a decision, and it's like it's unbelievable. It's like it's like the butterfly effect, isn't it? How <laughs> one thing can be so influential, and like you don't know what impact it would have had if that hadn't happened. Like yeah, that's it's, so it's, interesting. It was, it was nuts. Like it's, it's so interesting because you're just like because it's it's a part of the history that we don't learn about at all. Like you don't have. We should do. We actually, we need to make an active point to have more imperialist, like kind of hish and colonialist stuff on here, actually, because it yeah. is important to highlight that education. Because I think we don't want people to be like, we don't understand it. We need to create an under a very educational understanding so people can comprehend, you know, what actually did happen. There's no point so, hiding yeah. history. We can't hide it. I've, I've had this, uh, so over the summer, obviously, there's all the BLM stuff. I'm from Bristol. Uh, so with the whole Colston statue thing, I had multiple arguments with random people over Twitter <laughs> who clearly have no idea of the context of Colston in Bristol. Mm. And it is phenomenal, the amount of people who are so ill-informed that as soon as you tell them the actual facts of the matter, they kind of go, oh, and they completely realise that they're in the wrong, but they were happy to yeah. just sit there and, and yell. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, I think education... That's def- a shame, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, on that topic, actually, when you were saying about what books am I reading, I've taken a bit of a military history break at the moment. Um, but I was okay. reading A Hundred Nasty Women of History by Hannah Jewell. But also the other book that Zach sent me over summer was Natives by Akala. Honestly, it's the most, so oh, it's just one of my favourite books I've read. What's it about? Recently. So um, it's about uh, race and class in Britain and all the intersections of um, Akala growing up uh, in the 80s in Britain. And just mm. the struggles that he faced as a mixed race guy in school and stories like teachers being just overtly racist to him in the classroom that just... I, I don't know it just really really changed my my perspective on a lot of things about how we view um like working class communities in Britain and, and you know how you view your own identity like kind of growing up in London and stuff yeah. and the things that you the privileges that you had and, and didn't have and it, it's all just yeah oh honestly that it's, book it's, blew my mind I it's would such a such a fascinating it's great book. like yeah 
because it's semi-autobiographical so he, he will yeah. make a point like so he has really good arguments deconstructing basically he has like a chapter where he just lists all the basic arguments where people are arguing against like the idea of institutionalized racism and he'll hmm. be like here's the argument and then there'll be a paragraph of why that's false where he'll prove it wrong and then there'll be like an actual excerpt from his life where it proves that point yeah it's yeah it, oh wow it, like, it's written yeah. in such a very specific way like it's, it's that's quite clever writing yeah actually and the personal anecdotes are so so they're so so powerful as well I, I really enjoy reading about his life experience and but you can't fault his ev- his evidence either you can't yeah. you look at the back of the book and you look at how much research he's done it's, it's, you can't fault him on any single part and it's just fantastic like, um, I don't know, so I don't know I, about you yeah kids, I want more like... literature like that when I read it because obviously I like come from a lower class background so when I read it there was a lot in there that I was like I recognize that like, yeah in, in yeah, my own sure. experience interesting so mm. like for me I thought it was really impactful but like I don't know if you found it different in a there were different definitely way. elements that hit yeah I think I don't know it, well yeah he talks about the different places like growing up in London and stuff and like you definitely see the overlaps in your area whether you lived in the more disadvantaged or the more advantaged areas like I was privileged to grow up in a really nice little part of um, West London but you know I was very aware that like in my, my social group was very mixed at the same time like I don't know can't speak for other, for other areas of the country and you know my own experience but we had quite a mixed friend group like different backgrounds so we were exposed we were exposed to a lot through our whole teenage years so yeah definitely reading parts of that book and I thought oh yeah like that yeah. that hits hard <laughs> I think that's I think that's why it's so powerful because like he presents these ideas so as someone who can recognize some of that in my own experiences yeah you're like ah oh, there's that thing that I know like displayed by someone else in a form of media so obviously that is like you know media one-on-one like yeah. you, you see something you identify with and, and then you have an emotional connection with that thing but yeah. what's so good about the book is he finds a way to make it relatable to literally everyone like yeah if you're oh, of wow. a higher class, he'll be like, and then here's an example of my friend who is a very well-off, like, African-American composer, I think is, is the example that he uses quite yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. times. And it's like, and his, his experiences in that field. So there's always an example that's relevant to, to whoever is reading the book. Like, it's, yeah, it's sure. so, so cleverly written. Yeah, yeah, it does. It oh, really wow. does. Cut it sounds really impactful. In London. Oh, it is, it is brilliant. I, I would love to read if anyone has any recommendations of more kind of... Um, or even autobiographical stuff on experiences just being just growing up in London in when does he talk about he talks from kind of like eight but basically one thing I didn't realize was how many race riots there were in Britain in the 80s yeah that's that was mind-blowing like that was that was definitely a shocking fact did you watch Mandrake on on BBC a couple of no BBC did I think it was six part five part something like that um series anthology series with steve mcqueen so the director of mm. is a slave and, and widows and basically each one is like an individual story of black britain uh and so like the first one and the best one in my opinion is, is mandrake <laughs> and it's about the mandrake riots around the restaurant in london which is like a really key moment in like race relations in britain yeah and it's just like you've never heard of it but yeah that, that series it is like unbelievable so, oh yeah that's cool i'll give that a go yeah, it sounds really cool. So yeah, find That's a way different. to get this brand to TV. <laughs> <laughs> Nailing it. Uh, <laughs> I need to see great how like... books create shared experiences. <laughs> 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 that is cool I think it's that's nice to hear that that a book had impacted you both so much reading it like that mm. is really a huge power a testament to his writing like really impressive oh. I wish I could write a book like that oh my <laughs> yeah if, yeah definitely one one day hopefully I've got a book in me at some point 
I, I do I do think it's like it is the ideal kind of impact that you want from a book that he's talking about history where yeah you're because mm. you can have someone absentmindedly pick up that book and go oh it's an autobiography and they're not mm. going to realize that they're going to learn historical lessons from that book so yeah have someone pick it up and go yeah, ah, it's about like black britain history i'll pick that up and then they read it and then they get the class lessons from it yeah it's a really good blending of all yeah. the kind of narratives yeah definitely and that's important i think blending the narratives because it shows that the narratives aren't just singular live what have you read are. recently um i have what have i been reading um oh i trying to get through Catherine Fletcher's um The Beauty and the Terror I don't say trying to get through like I'm not enjoying it I've just well obviously it's been a bit busy the last few weeks and I've been so tired when I go to bed I read like two pages and I'm asleep so I can't <laughs> I struggle if I read and I fall asleep but it's fantastic cause it's all about like Renaissance Italy and it's looking at obviously the beauty and the terror and a lot of it is the military kind of history focused in on it so the kind of italian wars that are going on it and like the influence of spain and they talk about kind of some of the birth of like well i guess how the slave trade kind of happens and that's something i found really interesting was the influence of like black slaves being brought over to italy and not something i kind of would think about because i think when we think of the slave trade you think of it kind of being like america england so it was interesting to learn about it in a different country because obviously that too happened then um but also kind of there's lots of like the papal wars there's a lot of kind of military history going on in this time and it seems very tense but but you think of the renaissance and you think you know it's this new birth it's this new beginning but yet there's there is this terror and i quite like how she's kind of contrasted the two i mean we've got catherine coming up in a couple of weeks anyway on the podcast so yeah I'm, she I'm can obviously to that a lot. far better than I can <laughs> but um I've been I think like you I've been trying to read a bit away from military history because like the tv series I've been working on have been very military history so it's like right now I'm doing I think I can say it like I'm doing War Factory series three and nice. that's fun because it's all about it's not just about like I thought it was going to be primarily Second World War, but it's not. It's like looking at a single factory and how they've like they can say be about in the eighteen hundreds and they've gone and shipped off loads of stuff for the Austrian kind of wars in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. You know, I don't know the yeah. niche specific. Um, but then their impact from like the First World War through the Second World War and how they kind of all influence each other. So it's like a really developmental story and technological kind of advancements for war. And yeah. that I've been like, I didn't know if I, I would be like as interested in it, but I've actually found it so interesting to be like, oh, of course, like this makes sense how it's, it's a bit like a domino effect. Like one thing's happened that's led to another and another and another and it trickles. Yeah. Like the coolest story yeah. I heard about was, um, well, actually I was going to say, well, the job I was doing before and that was um, for the family history company. And it was on one of the relatives they had. So I can't give any names away. But basically one of the stories was that a woman's kind of descendants um, had moved over to the US after the Second World War and basically said that they were survivors of the Holocaust. And no one didn't know any other details other than that. So we did a lot of research. Wow. We got private research to look into it. We had the names and it basically come out. So the original stories their parents had said was like, we escaped or the mum had managed to move to Germany because she had blonde hair, blue eyes kind of thing. And she did an yeah. admin type role. And her the dad apparently had escaped um, the Warsaw ghetto, gone lived on the streets of Russia for like four years, 
Yeah, I was like on the eastern front. I thought it was mad, but he got put in. Apparently, he said he got put in prison for a year. Then they end up a displacement camp in Germany. They met there and moved to the US. But what actually happened is, is that they think the dad did go over to Russia, but on their paperwork, which this researcher was able to find, is that both of them have got markings on there that say KA Auschwitz, which indicates that either the mum had definitely spent the entirety of the war at Auschwitz and somehow survived, but they obviously couldn't tell their children about it. And it was really interesting. And then one of the questions we posed was like, well, surely they would have the tattoo, right? Yeah. If yeah. you'd been in a camp. But apparently in one of the camps at Auschwitz, they didn't always tattoo people. So there could be a strong chance that she was a at Auschwitz, survived. She even said that she went to, um, oh, it was the camp that the they do on Band of Brothers that they... um liberate well they oh, do it on the Stalag episode but i can't remember two, what that was three? called Stalag? yeah i think Stalag it was one of i can't still like two three um, I oh i can't remember what it was on back yeah the one that mm. they say that they um, they liberate on episode nine yeah, yeah, yeah. band of brothers um she was even there and then she ended up in displacement camp and it's kind of it that for me in terms of military history was like really shocking and kind of brought the reality yeah. of war really honed in on it I felt but kind of then that felt a bit too intense and I was like I'm just going to take a step back from my own personal ventures in military history to kind of have a bit of a cleanse on some nicer things perhaps but yeah quite intense yeah um I was going to suggest shall we move on to the fun round or (laughs) yeah which now what are the questions I know that I've edited every one of these. Come but... on, sir. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, I realised, I, sh- I was like, I'm going to prep this to have something really good. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Now I don't know who I want to have. Like, you say I'm that, but are you say like, oh, as if I don't know the questions. I no, forget every time. And I'm always Strong. like, oh, fuck, what's the next one? <laughs> no, I mean, my answers, my answers for the fun round. Like, what would I say? Oh, yeah, I know. I, I also don't really know. I think it's only fitting that in this prequel, Zach does the honour of actually asking me and Phoebe the questions because we've not answered them ourselves. <laughs> and we've heard so many interesting <laughs> responses. Um, and then, Zach, I guess we can ask you back in return afterwards. So, Or we could save that season three's yeah. prequel. <laughs> Give me a season. Know, get out of it okay, now, we'll save it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll save it for season three. Give me a season to figure out my answer. (laughs) Yeah. And one appearance a year. All right, cool. Oh, God, then. then. All right, lads. What is your favourite historical figure in all of history? Oh. (laughs) Oh, I know how our guests feel, because it's not easy. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And now I know so many more cool historical figures from season one. So I'm like, oh, fuck, Uh, what do I say? Go on, Liv, go on. I don't know. I feel like for me, oh, you look like you I have an answer. Of... And I was like, God. Yeah, I had, I had a person. I'm like, <laughs> it's come to my mind. So there's a woman called um, Toto Koopman, and she, I, I need to do loads more research on her. So this is only brief. But I'm like, she just sounds so cool. She was Chanel's first bisexual and mixed race model. And I thought that was like really kind of revolutionary, obviously, you know, in loads of ways. But and this was in like the 1930s. 
And during the Second World War, she ended up falling in love with someone, if I'm right, because I've only briefly looked upon her, and I just think she's so cool. And she ended up falling in love with someone and ended up basically joining the Italian resistance against the Nazis. And she spent the kind of the rest of her war in like the Italian resistance and doing this bit. And I'd love to learn more about it because I think that's such an interesting story. And then after the war, she then ended that up with so a cool. woman and they've set up an art gallery in London. And I just kind of think like what a random kind of set of lives, but what an interesting figure, you know, she just obviously didn't care she just kind of whoever she she was just yeah that's really cool and I'd love to learn more about her and I think that's the first person that popped to my mind when I thought of that but I think I don't know there's there's so many more like I just think for me most women in history because I just think women in history are so underplayed and I just thought yeah I'm like I've just thought of mine as you were talking then I was trying to think to myself what one woman have I learned about that I just thought wow yeah you really you really did it and I'm gonna say Anne Boleyn I think she's got to be my favorite figure in all of history just because there's so many interpretations of her like was she like the devil bitch woman like was she (laughs) like just absolutely completely innocent in all of this she's been misconstrued exactly like all these things like I love the idea that she was just this absolutely like just the coolest fucking woman in all of history basically because she essentially changed England for like for I just the impact that she, she did had. Yeah. i can't she did I she can't changed the comprehend. she changed the religion like yeah, exactly. something like, that it was meant to be so strong as the catholicism she'd come in and she completely just like ruptured it obviously it wasn't her intention but like yeah. what an impactful momentous bit in history yeah she was oh no now yeah. i think mine's not that good Without yeah <laughs> Berlin, we'd never have done the roller coaster of religion in, in history exactly no. oh my god i remember mine vividly <laughs> and i remember it being on the wall behind mr jassy's desk oh mine, my god mine oh, never made the wall i'm just saying yeah i put effort into that one that's, like, <laughs> that's how you know i was a Tudor historian <laughs> um, yeah no i think she's up there i'm really excited to see the the new series coming out where they I think it's Jodie Fisher is playing Anne Boleyn. Mm. Oh, yes, yes. It's meant to be really amazing, good. and I can't wait for that. All right, the inverse. Who's your least favourite figure? Don't say Hitler. I've heard you say don't say Hitler two million times, so you are absolutely yes. not to say Hitler. <laughs> just so you know. Well, just because we're not disputing that he's obviously fucking terrible, but, like, <laughs> it just it's such an easy go-to figure, isn't it? Um, um, I've, I've, you've, you've said no to him so many times, I'm not giving you the easy out. Oh, oh, oh. Do I um, hate anyone in history? That's the thing. Oh, go on, Phoebe. I'm trying to think what Leopold of Belgium, the Leopold II, Ooh, the one that was absolutely ow. awful in the Congo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just one. I mean, that's just I yeah, mean, there's many, yeah, but there's just good. one figure I remember reading about recently that I thought, oh my, like this actually made me feel sick to my stomach. So mm. I would definitely say. Oh, fair. The area of history, I think people need to be more aware of, um, mm. you know, the kind of atrocities and stuff. So that's a good one in that sense too. First person that comes to my mind is a guy called Matthew Hopkins and he was known as like the witch, witch hunter. general. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah and yeah. And I, I was doing a bit on this when I was looking at some, um, women's history and I remember doing a bit about him at uni and like because obviously where I live in North like he was quite instrumental in East Anglia and I think as a man you know he really I think he definitely profited off the fact that he could say people are witches and like because there was such a craze and a hype about it people believed solely like 
what he was doing and what he was saying and and like in hindsight that's quite sickening like yeah. trying to kind of you know do that so I think but he, he was one of the first people to, to monetize misogyny wasn't he like yeah. he properly probably, probably yeah yeah I mean come I mean, on after, made a we all know that witches aren't real uh next question I think so if you went on a road trip what three people from history are getting in your car Phoebe looks like right. she's fucking ready yeah, because I know that, yeah, because I was debating saying this person for my favourite figure in history, but I wanted to reserve her for my road trip. First person, got to be Martha Gellhorn, war correspondent, did everything from the Spanish Civil War to just everything, basically. Uh, one of... <laughs> I think she's, like, my biggest female crush in history, actually, like, um, which is my biggest crush in history in general. Um, I had a Martha Gellhorn because she'd just bring the fun and she'd write everything down, so you'd have, like, a log of your trip afterwards, which would always be good for the memories. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? This is a rogue one, but Winston Churchill? Ooh. Would love to chat with him. Would just love to okay. be... Okay. We just would like to meet him, you know? I, get, I know he has his flaws we don't we all but definitely yeah i think and as well i think martha would really really interrogate him as well like mm. go hard like um, getting a front row seat to like a really big interview like. yeah exactly yeah. and then oh who would be the third the third seat in the car i wish i knew more like musical composers because i'd definitely say oh we need someone sick to go on the orcs but um i think like with churchill <laughs> and martha gellhorn i would probably have Da, da, da. Oh, this is random, but we um, interviewed Alison Weir about her the other day, and now I'm obsessed. Eleanor of Aquitaine. She just oh. sounds like a woman that knows how to plan yeah. stuff. If we need someone to do... I get that. Like, you know, she's just... She's like going to bring She's going to bring. I like her a lot. Like, you know, <laughs> she's, she's going to be, like, ready. She'll bring the snacks, the maps, like, yeah, the that tissues. Would be cool. <laughs> She'll have everything in her little bag, like... <laughs> we're like, right, kids, let's go. <laughs> the little mum bag. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think that'd be my fault. That would be cute. That's a good one. So a politician, a war correspondent, and a queen. Yeah. Well live. Um, I think my first one would be who I did my dissertation on Vera Britain. Because I feel like we spent so long looking at an individual. I just like would love to unpick her mind to be like just to know stuff. I always find it fascinating when I like I said, I live next to where Roland lived and she mm. visited there in 1915 and I kind of would just love to know like what was that like a bit more in depth because she only dedicates like a paragraph to it in her testament of youth but I'm like I just love yeah. all these questions to be answered um I know she's still alive I don't think it counts but Gloria Steinman because I would just love to just so she would have stories like this, mm. what would it what was the second wave feminism like firsthand I would just love to hear what she'd have to say so much and then my final one would be Virginia Hall. Um, she was like the, um, kind of like the SOE in France. She was based in like the Nazis called her like, what did they call her? I got it up just now. Oh, the enemy's most dangerous spy. Like, and apparently her yeah, that's team cool. captured 500, like, um, captured 500 Germans and killed like 150 of them. And she was like in occupied France during the second world war and i feel like stories like that and i think yeah. she i i got i could be corrected but i swear she had like not that cut this bit like a peg leg oh my god like oh, or, or she or, or she was yeah a prosthetic leg i could think she might have or some she was disabled of some sort i'm pretty sure when i read about it i'd love to know more if i'm wrong someone please correct me but um I just find it quite astounding. It's, you know, we don't know much, especially about people in disability history. 
And yeah. so if that is true, what an incredible feature she did and just yeah being disabled shows it doesn't matter so amazing I think that would be all all 20th century I feel like I would have gone further but maybe I need to do a couple of car journeys and just do one from like each century <laughs> like a convoy I think that would suit me yeah I need like a convoy and <laughs> then like at every separate, petrol yeah. station I'll go hop out into like the 19th century and then like hop into like the 15th century and just be like oh let's chat guys I do like the idea of you like leaving like a bunch of Romans at a petrol station yeah <laughs> Oh my God, yeah, I'll see you on the next I'll see you on the next car guys I'll see you in Swindon um as we carry on <laughs> yeah I think that'd be mine and then the final question oh wait I just thought oh. of I just thought of who I want to swap I want to swap out someone in my car oh and I want to swap Winston Churchill oh for God. Prince Philip who oh, obviously R.I.P cheers to Prince Philip yeah I feel like I was gonna say at the very end I'd have him in my car what a great guy great Raise a drink to Absolute him, legend. you know, for a sure. who was in the Navy. Um, well, yeah, military man. Done a lot in you his know, life. Yeah, military man. Yeah, in very incredible service. So, sad day, but mm. it's like my mum said, what an incredible life he's had. So, exactly, 99, All 99 years of it. Yeah. Wow, what a life and how blessed he's been. So, I think the big, the most, most upsetting thing about it is he's not going to get a postcard from the Queen. Oh, I know. Like, I think she would have walked it up and posted it. Under I, the I, door I, I just want to know how that works. You know, like, <laughs> does she post it and it comes in the post? I Hilarious. just had something really rude in my mind. Like, <laughs> so Go I on. imagined, right, that she'd put it in her cleavage and be like, <laughs> "Take it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Go on, Liz. <laughs> Lizzie's getting some action. <laughs> Right, right, okay. Cutting right, back in. I've still forgotten what the last question is. I do this every time. I don't know how you can't remember these questions. <laughs> oh, come on, babe. So, if you could go back in time for a day, oh, yeah. where and when would you go? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where would I go? I think um, this is the hardest question. I think it's easily the hardest question. Yeah, because there's so many, like, epic days in history. Mm-hmm. One of our, I can't remember who it was now. One of our guests said the beaches and the D-Day landings. I remember because Liv asked what beach you'd be on, but that would be a really cool place yeah. to go. Whichever one the Canadians landed on where it was completely safe. That one. Well, they got out and it was absolutely fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, they um... went for a walk on the beach. <laughs> that one. Do you know what? I would have liked um... been a paratrooper on DJ and flown mm. in. That would be cool, but then yeah. that would be scary, obviously. I, I think. I would be. Oh no! I actually, now everything's gone from my head. I don't know. I've got three. Oh, oh all right. So, oh. Take it away. Well, I think for me, the two, and I think it would just be fun. Wait, have I got three? Have I got two? Sorry, oh, three. Podcast, not so, math one. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first one for me would be the day, because imagine being in Piccadilly, all those celebrations, like. It would just be insane. And I think that's, that's such an so iconic true. moment that hopefully we will never get in our lifetime that we won't have to celebrate a massive World War ending, obviously. But yeah. imagine just that 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 feeling. It would have been a combination of like joy and sadness, but like, ah, oh, I think it would have been incredible to celebrate. Another one I think for me would have been, I would have loved to kind of been there and see Master Luther knock on the, his 99 thesis. Cause I would have just been like, but why? And just like, <laughs> talk to him. Like, why though? Like, are you, like, 
are you are you I would have liked to know like was he happy doing it was he angry like what was his thought and that was it like I've got you know when then lawyers are like you've been served was he like yeah. was it that feeling with the catholic church and he was like, you like doof, doof, doof. yeah or was it yeah. more of like a woo look what I'm gonna do, 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 do. like I'm now about to erupt Henry VIII to lay the st- like paving stones I'm now here to kind of stop you kind of thing yeah and then I'd love just to go back obviously as everyone knows here Rome is one of my favorite places so I would love to go be in ancient Rome for one day and go to the Colosseum maybe see like it flooded when they had the bath like the ship kind of battles on it walk around the Pantheon I know the Vatican and stuff wouldn't have been there but just like ancient Rome you know see it for its glory I think would be fascinating seeing, seeing the Roman forum in its like yeah. in its prime i think would be way more interesting than seeing the coliseum in its prime to me because it's just yeah. like that's like ordinary the Rome. Coliseum. You yeah know? definitely the Roman yeah. forum because you can get an idea have you seen like i've seen it on twitter and stuff some historians have been like forum now and then the forum what it like would have been mm. and i guess how it would have looked and i'm like this is like a mini city in yeah. itself it's incredible mm. yeah, yeah. I need to go to Rome, honestly. It's on my list of we'll go. post-COVID places to go. Yes, Mate, let's do KM it. KM road trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's do it. I love it. Like, I know that the entire thing. Back of my hand now, <laughs> yeah. so we will go. Um, oh, go right. I've been thinking about my day, and I think I've decided. Right. I, had, I had a lot of things in my head, but... Um, and I thought you were going to say it then when you said Martin Luther, but I'm going Martin Luther King Jr. And I would be at the March on Washington in 1963. Strong. Uh, just to see that I have a dream. Yeah. You know, I just think that would be... Just imagine oh, standing there moment. looking at the, oh, just looking at the crowd. Imagine and, for the oh. first time, like hearing, yeah, that I have a dream, yeah, and just hit like that how he's executing it, and oh, yeah, that, and, oh my god, I feel like I've got shivers like trying to imagine it. But that would that's actually such yeah. a good day, Phoebs. And I've always said that if I was to live in any other time period, I would be a hippie in the sixties. So. It would fit. <laughs> fit I mean, the, the earrings. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Zach just made me spit my beer out. <laughs> my, my earrings aren't even that pat butchery today. They're only they're quite small. <laughs> I feel like I would be really, really interested to see um, John Lewis's speech at the Marshall oh, Washington yeah. because he was such a young yeah. man at the time. Like obviously How, he MLK. Was, what, 22? I think yeah. he was the youngest person to speak there, wasn't he? Obviously, MLK is like this massive icon at the time who was like an mm. icon, you know. But John Lewis was just like he was he was someone our age. Yeah. Who got up there and and spoke with the same kind of eloquence, mm. same kind of power. Yeah. That, that many people. Like I can barely be like I'm I shit it when I have to do a presentation. <laughs> like I hate <laughs> anything like that. And I was like, the, the, yeah. the bravery to do that at that age, knowing as well yeah. the repercussions that come from that. And you think the impact that he had over his life, like he didn't even he didn't pass away that long ago. Yeah. Um and he was obviously really influential in US politics up until the present day. So yeah. Top man, like yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. It's really good. Wow, that's at the end of the, 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 the <laughs> fun oh, round. Oh, te- teasers! Oh, did it? Teasers. Got, got to start thinking oh, yes. of my answers. Season teaser. Season yeah, teasers. Okay. No, I will, Season I will two work teasers. Into that. I'm really excited um, about these teasers because I don't know. So. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you mean you've not okay. looked at the spreadsheet, Zach? I've yeah. Got, I don't know what any of it means. <laughs> <laughs> Take a guess. Well. Okay, so I guess as we wrap up, we can obviously look, give you some teasers of what's coming up in season two. I'm as very excited about this season. Recording some of these. We, I'm not going to say who we're going to start off with because that's going to be a surprise and it's pretty much like our headline 
first episode is going to be so good and that's next week's episode um that's going to be a fantastic one as we mentioned earlier on we've got a panel with um people working at the commonwealth all grace commission yeah all grace week um that's gonna be really good we've got a lot of panel ones actually coming up this um well this season but when i already started looking at when i've been like putting them in and last season thieves i know we kind of said that like military history is definitely beyond the scopes of the first and second world war and i think what we did is we kept away from that a lot and but now this season i've looked we've got quite a lot of first and second world war stuff coming up (laughs) so we're kind of like balancing ourselves out but we're not you know we've got some we've got dan todman coming up we've got um, there are a lot of different fire. aspects to it, though. Yeah, um, like one thing going... I'm really looking forward to is talking to um, Amy Fox about military innovation in the First World yeah, War because that's a topic that's just Learning yeah, that is such brilliant. a good book. Um, yeah, so yeah, that'll be really good. I think yeah, I think as overdone as First and Second World War history is, you will always find something new within it. So I'm looking forward to kind of finding the maybe uncovering some lost world war one on two history yeah we're just like give, providing some different perspectives on it i mean obviously as we know james Holland yeah. did his great podcast focused on some like, like the nitty-gritty of the second world war and the military yeah. tactics and stuff and i know some other podcasts out there who also do it but we want to give you a broader scope of those histories because as, as we even said earlier on the history isn't made up of just one narrative it's multifaceted yeah. so we can explore lots here um, we love a cultural history we do we do i'm gonna try get um lucy noakes on um i'm talking with her because she's a fantastic cultural historian of the first and second world war so it'd be nice to kind of do a combo um as mentioned got Catherine fletcher who who else have we got Mm -hmm. kind of name drop right now i think i mean i'm I'm not i won't name drop right now but it'll be nice i think we're speaking to a few veterans this season i think that is something that we've definitely wanted to do um, obviously we had our PhD chats last season they were great fun it's really nice to speak to people that are doing like new and emerging research um, but I, I think with this season we're going a little bit different and we're trying to speak to people that have served and or just yeah worked in any aspect of the military so that's really yeah that's definitely something to look forward to that should be different yeah they're gonna be really good actually what so if you're listening you are a veteran and you would like to actually speak about your experience you know get in touch we'd love to hear your story slide um, in the dms <laughs> <laughs> there you go i said my feet so i guess for that. the first time slide into phoebe's dms guys open invitation <laughs> always <laughs> so for the first of this series we'd like to say keep listening and we hope that you're as excited as we are for everything we have coming up. Um, don't forget to like us on share us and retweet everything with us on Twitter. We're at Kaki Malarkey. So I've been Olivia Smith. And I've been Zach O'Leary. And I'm Phoebe Sow, and this is Kaki Malarkey signing off.